What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I am joined by my co-host, Shelton's very own, Tyler Pacholke. Before we start the show, we appreciate you all so much for listening to us on whatever platform that may be. Be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review the show. That really helps out as well. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on all social media platforms and follow us as well at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. On this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show, the NBA Finals are almost here, and these conference finals have been quite the roller coaster. We'll discuss everything going on between the Clippers and Suns, as well as the Hawks and Bucks. Then we'll talk about the coaching hires that have taken place so far in the NBA as four vacancies have now been filled. All this and more on episode 201 of the TSK Show, coming up right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 201 of the Sports Kingdom Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. Joining me, as always, Shelton's very own... Tyler Pachalki, what's up, TP? How are you, man? Good, man. It feels like it's been a while. Yeah, man. It's been because uh, going from a Monday. I know a little, little over a week. It kind of, kind of threw us off last week recording on a a Monday. Yeah, in my head it was two o two. Yeah, it just man, it does. It's, it's, Thought we skipped does, a week. It does seem like two hundred was a while ago. Yeah. No, I mean mo- la- Monday last week does feel like a while ago, but. We had to do it on a Monday last week because there were no NBA games, and it was just perfect timing with episode 200. But we are here for episode 201, and another thing uh, besides episode 200 uh, last week was celebrated on Monday that we didn't talk about just because we were so hyped up about episode 200, and I apologize for not bringing that up. But Carl Nassib announced that, well, he, he came out of the the closet and announced that he was gay and became the first active gay player in the NFL. And it was an amazing moment for sports, an amazing moment for the NFL, an amazing moment for Carl himself, because he finally got to let everybody know who he was for himself as himself. And I think on the last day of June and it being pride month, um, him announcing it during Pride Month and and donating uh, some money to the Trevor Project, uh, I thought it was uh, pretty cool for uh, him to do that. Yeah, it's a big deal making it easy, making it easier for the people that are coming after him, uh, because you know I think uh, I think it was Rex Chapman, and I'm not going to quote the tweet, but in essence, he he was talking about how like we've all played with or against, you know a gay athlete they're not necessarily right it's not necessarily something that's just now happening they're just now feeling confident enough to come out and say it and uh for the first time ever and that's you know in essence that's kind of the issue you know that's that's what we're trying to raise awareness for and and kind of uh 
get out of our culture. Um, so it was a big, it was a big moment for him. And I, I really, uh, my favorite part about it was his delivery. It was straight to the point. Yep. It was like, fuck, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? He said what he needed to say instantly. He didn't, he didn't make it a big deal. He, it wasn't extravagant. He didn't have a bunch of people with him. It was just him, his cell phone. Um, and he got right to the point instantly. So, you know, he, he did something that's tremendously hard, uh, took a lot of bravery and, it's cool. It's a cool thing because, um, you know, he's going to make it easier for an entire generation to kind of just be themselves and be okay with it, which is what every human kind of deserves. Definitely. Definitely. So Carl will be suiting up for the Raiders this season. And he became the highest selling Jersey in the NFL after the yeah. announcement. So that was obviously a great show of support by Pride NFL month. fans, Pride Month, it it all yeah. was uh works really well. Yeah, it was And fuck those Raiders jerseys are good looking jerseys. <laughs> it don't matter if you're a fan or not. Yeah. You can rock some black and silver. Yeah, I mean he's number ninety four. That's a that's a pretty solid football number. No, it's a good one. I, I contemplated grabbing one. That's a good one for the collection. Yeah, definitely. So all right, like we said, uh it's been a while since we last recorded and we got a lot of catching up to do as we are much closer to the start of the NBA Finals now. But before we talk about the NBA Conference Finals, I got to let you know that this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show is sponsored by J Diamond Estates. For all of your real estate needs here in the Los Angeles area, contact Jacob Diamond at 818-451-8539, or you can check out his website, jdiamondestates.com, DRE number 020-68311. Come on, you're getting paid. Ask something. Final seconds. Bryant for the win. Did I miss anything while I was gone? Take this and you burn it. Job's not finished. Job finished? I don't think so. So when you get done with this, you should be butt ass naked. Last week, Tyler, when we were recording episode 200, the Atlanta Hawks and Milwaukee Bucks had not even started their series in the Eastern Conference Finals. And now here we are. On Wednesday, June 30th, and the Hawks have played four games, or the Hawks and Bucks have played four games, and they are tied at two games apiece. Both teams were able to win one game each on the other team's home court. Hawks, they stole game one and really punched the Bucks in the mouth behind Trey Young's 48 points and 11 assists. The Bucks then dominated game two, winning 125 to 91. Trey Young hurts his ankle in game three after stepping on a ref's foot and after Trey Young got hurt in game three the Hawks were outscored 31 to 17 in the second half going on to lose 113 to 102 Chris Middleton was huge for the Bucks in game three with 38 points 11 rebounds and seven assists on 15 of 26 shooting and six of 12 from three-point range before game four last night it was announced that Trey Young would be out with a bone bruise in his ankle that he suffered. But the Hawks, they came out and they played inspired basketball. And more on inspired basketball in a little bit when we get to the Clippers. But 
the Hawks, they were able to tie the series at two games apiece, winning game four, 110 to 88. Now, the big news in game four, obviously on the heels of game three and Trey Young getting hurt, was Giannis Antetokounmpo hurting his knee. He hyperextended his knee and was ruled out for the rest of game four. And then it was announced earlier today that there was no structural damage in his knee, which is great news. Every single NBA fan, player, anybody associated with the game of basketball let out a huge sigh of relief when that news was announced. Unfortunately, I don't see him playing in game five, possibly even the rest of the series. Even I don't know how cautious the Bucks will be. What happens in game five could determine how cautious they be because they could be facing elimination. Who knows? But either way, Giannis is most likely out for game five. Trey Young's status, I believe, is still unknown for Game 5 as well. Where do you think this series goes now? Because with Trey Young being out, Tyler, for Game 4, and now Giannis probably being out for Game 5, that'll be 10 All-Stars this postseason to miss at least one or more games. Yeah, well, that's part of it. I mean, it is. Injuries, is, this is... Very similar to 2015, had a very similar vibe to it. There was injuries all over the place. Uh, I don't know if it was to the extent, but... Uh, I don't think it was to this extent. I've I've really only seen a year like this one time, and that was the 2015 year. Um, and uh, I'm trying to remember who was hurt in 2015. Well, I mean, I think it was, uh, you know, the Kobe's, the Carmelo's, the Kevin Durant's, the uh, the Chris Paul's, the Blake Griffin's, Kyrie Irving's, the Kevin Love's. The well, the Lakers didn't Paul even make George, the layup, the, Paul the playoffs in the 2015, 2015 season. Probably because Kobe was hurt. Well, yeah. Okay. But That's I, fair. I mean, well, I'm just. No, I, I think it you. was one of those years. It was when we talked about the stats earlier um, and in the show early on in the year. This was the only this was the only season that had that you know a similar pace to like yeah uh, games missed by all stars or all NBA or however it was they were measuring it. There's been like one other time, but regardless, the point is is it's 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 a severe year for injuries. It's not a normal year, um, so that's definitely playing a part. And as far as this Milwaukee uh, Atlanta series, I still think that. Atlanta kind of or uh Milwaukee still kind of holds the cards to win the series see for me I think this series right now is such a toss-up because a lot of talk after game three was Chris Middleton is the number one in Milwaukee now because he had such a big game and obviously they were going to him down the stretch and you can't go to Giannis to create offense for himself down the stretch you can kind of get that from Chris Middleton but when Giannis went down, we saw what happened in game four where the Hawks went on a run with their role players who were playing inspired basketball without Trey Young, like I was saying. Yeah. And both Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday have been very inconsistent during this run for the Bucks this postseason. I think ultimately this is going to come down to coaching, obviously aside from the health of Giannis and Trey Young. And Nate McMillan, in my opinion, has been the best coach in the postseason aside from Ty Lue. Yeah, there and there's a lot of evidence behind that. Um, and I think that this Bucks team is a little more kind of, you know, they've been there a little longer. They've been together a little longer. 
Yes. They've got a little more veteran uh, leadership. They've got a little more experience. They've, uh, they, they do have a Drew Holiday to Middleton still. But we talked um, about with Atlanta before the, se- the series started how they're really coming in with nothing to lose. No, and they could easily win two of the next three um, because they have they have got a fire squad. They got guys that can make shots. A ton of different guys. I mean, they can come at you five different ways as far as like an isolation game goes. Bogdanovich can score. Heater can score. Lou Will can score. Herder was huge for them Gall- in game Gall- four. Gallo can score. It's just Cam I mean, Reddish has looked great in some flashes. They can they can do a lot of different things on offense. So um, they absolutely have a chance to win. But I do like the Bucks to come back and win. Or, or I do like the Bucks to win two of these next three. And I think Giannis may miss a game, but I don't see it being longer than that. If it's true that he has no structural damage. Yeah, Woj, no, they, repo- Woj reported that earlier today. Yeah, that could be BS. You know, it could be. Who knows? We, we don't know. Um, I, but I trust it, Woj it, though. If he actually doesn't have any structural damage, and hyperextensions are scary, but it's something you can come back from. The video was very scary. It's something you can. It's something that, like, if there's no terror, it's just more scary than than you know. We could see him in Game Six or Seven. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, who knows how cautious the the Bucks will be? I think obviously the determining factor will be if they're facing elimination come Game Six. And you're right. If they lose Game Five, Giannis definitely has another you know reason to come back. We've seen uh, it already in the playoffs with Anthony Davis doing it. Yep, and uh, you know that's why Game Five. James will, Harden did will, it. Game Five will be very important if if the Bucks could get get a dub out of there at home. Um, game five, it, it will take a lot of pressure off Giannis. That's that. That is one thing I think the Bucks do have going for it for them. Tyler is you mentioned it, mentioned it. Two out of the next three games are at home. So and the the Bucks crowd is uh has been known lately in the in recent years at least since Giannis has been on the team and they've been contenders no, they've, they've to be a raucous a good, crowd. It's a good crowd. It's yeah. a good sports area in general for you sure know, they're kind of birthed from the packers you know so well aaron Rodgers is a part owner well you gotta yeah just you know um they they've always had good fans like i can remember even like fear of the deer brandon jennings like, oh yeah you know they've they've always kind of brought it out those small those smaller uh markets i think have better home crowds yeah so i'm gonna go with the hawks winning this series I think I'm going to go. That's a crazy, that's a crazy idea. I know. I know. The fact that it's not Philly, Milwaukee or Brooklyn, you know, in any sense would be. I mean, listen, they're the Hawks. I'm, they're just, I think lightning in a, in a pan this, this postseason. And I think like it has for so many other teams, I think they've just been dealt the right cards. (laughs) No, they have outside of Trey. um, Yeah. I mean, and, the it, fact that he he landed on a ref's foot and well, all of that. A lot of this lands on Trey. I mean, if Trey's not playing, Milwaukee's going to win. It doesn't matter if Giannis is out there or not. Yeah. If, if Trey doesn't play in game five, I take back my prediction. I'm, I'm just going to put the caveat out there now on wax. <laughs> um, but, I mean, this series, this series has been a lot of fun. It has. I mean, I, I do enjoy watching both these teams play and, and different types of teams different types of players, different stages in their kind of development. Um, 
I love Trey. I love Giannis. Love all the kind of the support players. It's been fun to watch. Yeah, and coincidentally, I mean, the the Suns and Clippers. That's also been a very exciting um, series. And yeah. most people, I think, once the big name teams, I don't want to call them big market or small market because realistically no, it was just the favorites well, i mean but, you had philadelphia and brooklyn you had the lakers right you know what i mean why why went down um you know but realistically the nuggets went down the a, jazz went down a lot of the talk though has been like how the big market teams are out but it realistically the clippers are still in la that's the number two media market in the in the world phoenix is in the top 10 i believe and so is atlanta I so would it's say, like three of I would the top Phoenix, at least 15. I would say Phoenix and Milwaukee got to be small market teams. I would consider both them small market teams. In just because in the like, NBA. I've been, I've been right. to Phoenix. <laughs> right. In the NBA, but we're talking but I'm talking about in terms of like the literal definition no, of every, like Yeah, but it's every city is going to have I don't know. I guess LA, no. LA and Atlanta, those are major market teams, but it's the Clippers and the Hawks, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like <laughs> That's why it's so weird, you know, like Phoenix is a big basketball team. But everybody like was worried. Everybody was worried that these playoffs, once the big names were out, were going to be boring. And it's been the complete opposite, at least if you're really a true, pure yeah. basketball fan. Yeah, yeah. And it's that's just like a grass is greener scenario. I mean, we were bitching about disparity for, you know, eight years, really. I mean, it was really. Oh, yeah, five, a lot of people were. A minimum five years, it was LeBron and lebron and the the warriors they they faced each other four years in the finals in a row yeah and the and the year that they faced toronto you know it really was like you know lebron vinda lebron vinda eight straight and then you know he, he goes to la and gets hurt for the, the warriors, first time in his career the warriors went to five straight it's it was um you know the warriors and lebron had a stranglehold for years i will never let people forget the lakers were in fourth place on christmas day in LeBron's first year with the baby Lakers of Lonzo, Brandon yeah. Ingram, yeah, no, and Josh Hart. I mean, it was a good team. Was that team going to win the finals that year? I no, don't know, but, but they were in fourth place on Christmas, and, it and was nobody so, was expecting them to be there. Well, and I think Laker fans um, reminisce of that team fondly because it was a Laker team. It was a draft. We drafted all these guys. It wasn't the, the classic – oh, uh, well, we went and got LeBron, then we went and got AD. And, well, know, that was the next year. But I'm just saying, like, it was – we liked those guys because we drafted them. They were our yeah. guys, you know. We didn't we didn't buy those guys. Those were okay, our guys, okay, you know. Okay. All right, all right. Those were, those were homegrown – that's homegrown talent. You yes, know? that is true. They, they were homegrown talent. But like, you're going you're gonna to favor those guys even over a guy that may be better than them because it's like, nah, that's fucking <laughs> – that's Lonzo, that's Kuz, that's B.I. Even, like, guys like Caruso. I forgot Kuz on that. Caruso and THT. Kuz, the only one left, too. like, man, that's cool, you know. Yeah, but all right, like like I was saying, the Suns and Clippers and the Hawks and Bucks, they I think have blown the expectations out of the water for most people. Um, but now the Suns and Clippers, they are in an interesting, interesting position. Currently, it's eight oh four p.m. They're according to ESPN's website right now. It's two minutes and two seconds left in the third quarter. The Suns are up 89 to 79 in game six. Phoenix leads the series three games to two. Since we last recorded, Tyler, the Suns were up one to nothing. 
and then the Suns, they win game two after two missed clutch free throws by Paul George and an alley-oop from Jay Crowder to DeAndre Ayton with .9 seconds left to win the game on a play that was identical to a play the Suns had run a few years back for Tyson Chandler. So very uh, reminiscent of the same play. It was it was pretty cool to see the both plays side-by-side side in, the, in the scenarios. Obviously, with this being in the Western Conference Finals, this alley-oop, uh, a much bigger deal than the Tyson Chandler one was. But then... With the Clippers being down 0-2, they find themselves in familiar territory with their first game in Los Angeles. The The Clippers, they were able to win game three at home by 14, 106-92. They then lose game four, and Paul George missed another clutch free throw, and the Suns win the lowest scoring game in the NBA this season, 84-80, to to go up 3-1, heading back home to Phoenix. That game four, Tyler, was such a bad shooting game for both teams. It was brutal to watch. There were 110 rebounds combined yeah, for both teams in that game. Those are the jokes we kept making. It was just like, Aiton's <laughs> got 20-20 right now. Like, uh, you know, Paul George has what? What, he finished with 14 boards or something? Yeah, like four, I think like 14, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> It was a funny stat because we were like, what? why are these rebound numbers so crazy? And then it was like, oh, my God, the score is like. It, they they were at 70 in like the third quarter like almost into the, the third quarter it reminded me almost of the lakers celtics game 7 in 2010 where that was just such a an ugly basketball game where where just the impossible was happening where nobody was hitting shots and it just it was such a gritty game so i mean it was that game just made no sense to me and then before game 5 it was announced that Avica Zubats was ruled out with a sprained knee. And when that news was announced, Tyler, everybody was counting the Clippers out going into that game. And once again, the Clippers were able to prove everybody wrong, winning game five, 116, 102 behind an unbelievable otherworldly performance from Paul George who scored 41 points on 15 of 20 shooting and was three of six from three. And I know I've had a bunch to say on the show and I like to make jokes about Paul George on Twitter. And I I was right there alongside everyone making fun of him after the missed free throws in this series. But, but once again, he has stepped up for the Clippers when they needed him most like he's supposed to, especially with Kawhi Leonard out, but nevertheless, his performance in Game 5 was something special, and he looked like pre-broken leg Paul George. And as a basketball fan, it was really great to see one of the top players in the league playing at a level basketball fans all hoped he could get back to when we saw that injury happen. And this season, he's put up 20 points or more in all 18 of his games this postseason, and the only other players to do that are Michael Jordan three times, Kobe Bryant and Kevin Durant twice. Paul George has been phenomenal this postseason. And I mean, he had worked up a lot of goodwill getting them back from 0 2 twice in the first two series of the playoffs. And then he misses the two free throws in game two. They lose that. He misses 
the the free throwing game four, and he basically lost all of that goodwill. When people were counting him out and everything, the Clippers were do or die, facing elimination. He comes out and has the game of his life. It was unbelievable to watch. But playoff P's got it. He's I mean the juice. Now in game five, or in game six, excuse me, he's got fifteen points and he's four of ten. O of three from three point. He's a minus fourteen. He's in a tough spot. In the Clippers series. are down. He's the only guy had a guard, really. Yes. So I mean Tory Craig has been playing phenomenal defense against him in game six. I was I was watching a bit of the f- the first half, but I just I just don't understand how he can be so up and down. He's been great and phenomenal in so many moments this postseason, but he's also experienced some of the lowest lows. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh when you're a superstar and you're under the microscope and and you know the game is played in your hands, this is what happens. You know, all superstars kind of have these moments. It does seem like, you know, he's he's been in it a lot a lot, but that also kind of goes to say he, you know, he puts he's on winning teams. He's in tough moments. Yeah. You don't get the criticism without being in the, you know, the the crunch time. So uh, Paul George, to me, has always been a very, you know, he's a great talent. He's a top 15, 20 player in the NBA in the world. Um, he can really play. He's a, he's a two-way basketball player. He plays defense, too. Uh, he's a lot bigger than most people realize. He's got one of the top shit, you know, probably top 15 as far as, like, offensive arsenals. I mean, he's got, guy's got a deep bag. He's got a lot of things to go to. Um, I'm happy for Paul George to be in this position to beat this Suns team because everybody's everybody wants the Suns team to win, you know, and the Clippers kind of already have reached like no one's mad at you if you lose this series because no. there's, there's no Kawhi and you got to the Western Conference Finals. Listen, um, if Kawhi was in this series and the, be the Clippers were healthy, they win this series in five games. It'd be different. It'd be different games. So I'm just happy that Paul George is kind of I think he's going to be able to build some momentum off of this. Even if it goes down bad. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that after this postseason, I think he has shed some of the the playoff P or pandemic P moniker and all of that type of stuff. I think he shed some of it. I still think there's still a little bit of a monkey on his back, I think- especially if they lose this series just because of the missed free throws, and you got to make those free throws in the clutch. He's an 87% free throw yeah. shooter. You don't miss those free throws. No, in he, the clutch. he's had some bad moments, but I think overall he you can't say that this guy's a bad performer. No, no. Over the course of his I've, career, I think he's he's shed the playoff P. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. And I mean, listen, there's now fifty five seconds left in the third. The the Suns are up twelve. They they still got a full quarter to go. So it's it's still really anybody's game. I mean, we've seen crazier things happen already for the Clippers this postseason. And they were the first team to come back 0-2 twice and and shout out to Adam Oslin the the pre-half and post-game host uh and host of the FNA show for these stats on the last episode of the FNA show the Clippers are the only team to come back 0-2 in back-to-back series with a chance to do it for the third time they've won seven games when they have been behind three times in winner go home scenarios 
And Adam said back in March, and he reiterated it after the Game 5 win, that these Clippers are different, and whether they win this series or not, I got to say, he's 100% correct because no other Clipper team has done what this one has, and that can't be stated enough. I think the big the big reason why you can't knock this Clippers team at all, there's no excuse, is because they did it without, like, Kawhi. You know, yeah. they're playing they, – they, they did do a portion of this without Kawhi. They got to a place a franchise has never gone before. They faced adversity in every single series. Lost every single game one and two, right? Yeah. They're 0-6 in game one and two. So they started all three of these series out down 0-2. Well, and Ty Lue is 10-2 and in elimination games as a coach, and the two losses he has are to the KD Warriors. And he has the greatest win percentage in, in elimination game history. Yeah. It, number one coach all time. When facing elimination, he's got the, the best winning percentage. I, I said it earlier. He's been the best coach yeah. in this postseason yeah. for any team. Yeah. And, I mean – Aside from Ty Lue's coaching, they've had guys like Marcus Morris has been a core guy for this this Clippers team yeah. over the past couple of years. Yep. He was incredible in Game Five. He's Reggie, guarding DeAndre Ayton right now. Yeah, you know? I mean he's doing he's done a great job. Reggie Jackson was also incredible in Game Five, and he's he's really been incredible for the Clippers all playoffs. He's going to get a major bag this off season. Pat Beverly has been great for the Clippers in the past two series, taking on defensive assignments like Donovan Mitchell, CP3, and Devin Booker. Boogie Cousins has played quality minutes for the Clippers in place of Avica Zubat since he's been hurt, hurt the past two games. Terrence Mann had his coming out party. Terrence it, Mann's a big win for this team. The, That's an asset that they did not have a month ago that they have now. Stephen A. said they should build around him instead of Kawhi. That's just... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a little ridiculous in, um, in my just, opinion. That's, but reach, but. that's why Stephen A. gets paid the big bucks, though. Yeah, I mean, he can I make think those kinds they, of they've got a lot of good things going on for them, um, including Ty Lue. Yeah, now they can still win this game. I'm not. I'm not counting this. I'm not counting this Clippers team out. I still. How can you? How I, can you? I just still think that they're going to get it done. I like them to to win this game and force a game seven. And if I they get to a game seven, man, shit. I said we could be Clippers Bucks in the finals. God, That's what I like. Don't don't say that. At least I, Clippers Bucks are like two teams that were, you know, if you if you wrote down your three title contenders from each conference, Bucks and Clips probably would have been on each. No, I mean my Western Conference Finals this year, I believe if I remember correctly, I, I said it was going to be Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, Nets. So like that was the, clearly a yeah, possibility. It's not, it's not the combination you thought it would be, but it, it's it's definitely you know, the Suns. This would be a great story for them. I well, mean, it's a coming I'm, out party for Suns. No matter what, they're they're legendary from here on out. They definitely came to play. They're the sons and four sons. <laughs> yeah, well, not if they win this. It series. doesn't matter. Th no, that's what they are. That's they're the when you know the we believe warriors. They're the sons and four sons. Yeah, but they did come out to playing ready. Like they came out ready to play in game six. But I was disappointed in how they played in game five. They had no sense of urgency when they had the Clippers on the ropes after it was announced Zubots would be out. And interestingly enough, in my opinion, I think the Suns have looked like a completely different team since the first two games that they won of this series without Chris Paul. And I think they're a completely different team now that Chris Paul's back, or at least that's the way it looks to me. Obviously, he's been such a key contributor to this team all season. But in the first two games, it seemed like this team was just flowing a lot more and 
Campaign and Devin Booker were taking care of the ball handling and playmaking, and they were just playing at a much faster pace. And then Campaign gets hurt, and that changes things for the Suns as well because he can't play the same way. And, I mean, I'm just really curious to see, hear what you have to say about what the Suns have looked like since Chris Paul has been back because he's only shooting 32% from the field and a whopping 9.5% from three heading well, into yeah. game six. I think there's something to, like, trying to, you know, forcing stuff. Get, getting Chris Paul back out there. I think he forced to, his way back too soon. Try, well, not not necessarily too soon. It's just, like, he's back now. You got you to gotta adjust. And, you know, he may be trying to, uh, you know, adjust by getting certain guys that were hot when he wasn't on the court going when really you should be doing what you were doing before, you know, and the guys that were on the court before should go back to old roles. Don't try to like feed Chris Paul into this team that Chris Paul wasn't on. Yeah. And I mean, but it, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, they, they've got a commanding fourth quarter lead going to the fourth up 14. They're looking to close out, go to the NBA finals. Well, I think they're pissed. Um, they're pissed that they weren't able to close it out in front of their home fans. They're also a young team. You know, this is a young, inexperienced team outside of Chris Paul um, and Jay Crowder. And, and Chris Paul has never been this far. So, <laughs> yeah, um, this is uh, uh, new experiences for all of them. And then, you know, dealing with injuries, having a guy like Chris Paul that's so important to your team in and out, it's gonna mess with you sometimes. I. I it's a tough loss for them to take if if this went seven games, but if they can wrap it up here, it's you know, it's it's kind of just a it was a learning situation, kind of a bump in the road for a young team emerging. Yeah, so I mean, it's if the Clippers make it to the NBA Finals, it'll be the first time in franchise history. If the Suns make it to the NBA Finals, it'll be the first time in a long time. I believe it's like over fifty years. No, Suns were there in ninety three. 93 you're right i'm thinking of atlanta and then and then i'm thinking of atlanta and um, the the hot the hawks and the bucks yes that's what it was the bucks the last time they won a championship i believe was 71 with lou alcinder and oscar robertson yes and then i believe the hawks the last time they won was before the aba merger and i'm just gonna guess the hawks won in the 50s with paul arzen probably 56 58 58 damn 58 hey you're close i like i like nba history i I gotta i gotta admit i I do like the deep history of the game but those i mean that's what's cool about this this setup like doesn't matter even the suns you know what i mean because the suns have never won one um it's cool like yeah maybe they've been maybe they've actually been there but fuck 93 was not the other day you know like right 93 was and they faced the jordan bulls yeah that was damn near 30 years ago so um this is a big time for any franchise don't 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 say it's damn near 30 years ago 93 was only the year before i was born tyler i hate to say it but it was damn near 30 ago um yeah i mean they started they the finals for that season they started 30 years ago like coming up, you know, they started in late '92. So, yeah, we're getting there. Twenty nine, thirty, whatever. It's, it's right there. But either way, either way, I think all four of these teams, because we we were talking earlier about how everyone was upset that the big name teams are out. 
I think all four of these teams, no matter who gets in the finals, what combination of the two, they all have really great stories. Yeah. Like the Hawks with Trey Young, an up and coming team that has a young star on the rise. He got hurt in the playoffs. He's either he comes back, who knows, whatever. The, basically, the Trey Young aspect and, and how young of a team they are and how nobody was expecting them to be here. You got the Bucks and Giannis and him being the two time MVP and the defensive player of the year and all of the playoff failures that they have had as a core group that they've had in Milwaukee over the past couple of years. And then we have the Suns, like we've said, haven't been to the final since 93. They went 8-0 in the bubble, and it was all for nothing. Then they get Chris Paul. Ha- haven't been to the playoffs since, like, Steve Nash. Right. Haven't been to the playoffs, I believe it was since 2010. Like, the Clippers have had the most success of all these teams in recent history, honestly. Oh, which without is, a doubt, which, which is, is the craziest part. Yeah, which is crazy. <laughs> and then, obviously, if the Clippers get to good, the finals. It's good for the NBA. If it the really Clippers get to the finals, they did it without Kawhi. This is what it, this is what you talk about when you talk about a, pro, a quality product, um, 30 quality teams. It really doesn't matter. Like, night in, night out, these NBA players can play. So, um, anytime you get to a championship, I don't care how many people have been injured, you faced a gauntlet to get there. Yeah, and I'm trying to pull up the – Stan Van Gundy had a great quote or a great tweet in response to uh, a Laker fan, actually, uh, who, I I mean, of course, I'm going to get shit for a Laker fan being the one who brought this up. But basically, this Laker fan had a list of all the players that had got hurt and was like, this 2021 NBA season is the real asterisk season, not the bubble. And Stan Van Gundy literally responded to this random Laker fan's tweet and said, no asterisks. The challenges of the last two seasons may have been different from those of prior seasons, but the Lakers last year and whoever wins this year met those challenges better than everyone else. Champions with no asterisks. That's that's that is truly what I believe. Hundred uh, percent. I I that's why I really don't think you can put an asterisk on on anything. Um, the only reason why I would even argue any asterisks for the bubble is because of the. Ex- extreme like un like just that was a different thing you know what i mean like yes this is a different thing in the sense that like we're facing a lot of injuries and all you know every season's different has all its different hurdles um but i do truly believe what stan van gundy says is right i don't think you can take away it's not the team that wins fault for all all that other stuff um there are no like freaks there's no luck when it comes to championships like champions are champions you really can't put an asterisk uh, on any champion just because you feel like they had an easier run than another you know right what happens to the other team doesn't take away from all of the hard work the winning team put in yeah and it's like yes every champion is not equal i think there there are teams that won championships that had to go through harder things but that doesn't mean they're less of a champion you know like they like sam van gundy said Every team faces the same adversity, essentially. Like, you all play by the same set of rules. Yeah. Yeah, injuries are like the wild card that's thrown in there. No, it's not fair. It's not right. There's no order. You can't order. turn them off like 2K. There's no order to it. It just happens. Um, but outside of – but it, in the sense that everybody has to deal with that wild card, I mean, it's equal playing field every year, so every champion is was the best that year. I mean, yeah. they, they're the last one standing. Yeah. 
And that that's why it's like I always thought like the the bubble asterisk talk was so funny. And then like even even though I know I've it can been be an guilty. asterisk and be a harder scenario too. True, you know, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like it, it, in my an asterisk mind, doesn't always mean tainted. If I had like the ultimate power to like stamp the history books with an asterisk on the 2020 Lakers or not, I probably wouldn't do it. But you got to have a chapter in that book somewhere that talks about what that seat how that season's champion is different from all the other ones in the sense that like, fuck, we may never see anything like that ever again. That truly was like a special. And, and I think there's a very good argument that it was harder. Oh, a very he, good argument he, that you know, last year's like, championship was harder. It, it's not, it, but to me, the, the ultimate reason why you would asterisk something is like, it's so different that you can't compare it to the rest of the years. And I think that the pandemic was borderline. Uh, but like I said, if I had the power, the magical stamp for the history books, I don't think I would put it on there. You know, I, I could go back and forth all day, but at the end of the day, I don't think I would stamp it with an asterisk. I think, you know, they were the best team that year. Yeah. So it's, I mean, there's, all right. Suns are up 20 now in the fourth quarter. Yeah. It's looking like, yeah, I've been paying attention. Looking like they're pulling away. Yeah. It's a, it's not looking good for the Clippers. So it looks like as I mean, we could be wrong by the time we're we're done recording this because we still got a little bit more stuff to talk about. Um, but right now it's looking like the Suns and Chris Paul are gonna and Devin Booker. Excuse me, I don't want to take take away from Devin Booker because he's been phenomenal. He was playing without the mask tonight, by the way. I thought that was an interesting uh, little note because I th- I think that was definitely bugging him and, and affecting his shooting. Yeah, he. It was effective in some way. I mean, the thing was, is, like, when you throw it off, put it back on. Yeah. That shows you that, like, there's a part of him that it's annoying him and a part of him, like, fuck, I need this. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that'll just be something that keeps developing over the playoffs. Uh, I'm sure there's a ton of different uh, masks being thrown his way right now, trying to figure it out. Yeah. But it's looking like. The, doesn't matter the the suns are going to to move on to the, the nba the, finals the chris chris paul has a real chance at, at hanging a banner this year yeah and um you know i would be over the moon happy for chris paul and monty williams yeah not to mention you know the the young guns but i mean at this time you know you gotta just take it in for the guys like chris paul and monty williams who put their life into this game and if the Clippers somehow mount a 20-point comeback in the fourth quarter, it'll because they are the never-say-die Clippers this year, and they'll they'll force a Game 7, and, and who knows what can happen in a Game 7. It's too bad. It's too bad because I think this really affects Kawhi's decision to stay or not. Um, but Yeah, that's an interesting, interesting topic that we can get into later on in the offseason. Yeah, I really wish that they won this series purely so, like, why would be like all right you know what let's see what Ter- terrence Mann's really got i i think Ty Lue knows what he's doing playoff p is fucking you know he he can i can ride with him i think you got some things working for you but now it's like fuck i don't know we'll see so all right um that does it for the conference finals talk but we have some nba coaching news to talk about Tyler before we get out of here. Um, I believe it was episode 199 when we were talking about the Mavericks 
and firing Donnie Nelson and and all of the turmoil that was going on in Dallas in the front office. So they, since we have last recorded, have hired Nico Harrison away from Nike as their new GM, replacing Donnie Nelson. Dirk Nowitzki is joining the front office as a special advisor to Mark Cuban. He was a huge part of the process in finding the new GM and subsequently the new head coach who is his former teammate, Jason Kidd. And now that Rick Carlisle has moved on to the Pacers, we'll get into that in a second. Uh, We got Nico Harrison and Jason Kidd now as the GM and head coach of the Dallas Mavericks. I don't know if you're familiar with Nico Harrison or Uh, not. I do. I, I do know who Nico Harris is. I was not familiar with who he, he was before uh, he got hired, but I was reading into him a bit. This is such He's a, a big-time player at Nike. He's a – that's – yeah, that's an understatement. I saw a picture, an old picture, of Nico Harrison, Rob Palenka, Rich Paul, and yeah. Kobe Bryant at a Laker game, all talking, obviously, before yeah. Kobe had passed. Yeah. And, I mean, Nico, I, He's, from what I've you know, read, is – he was a big part of getting Nike their athletes. And, well, and you got to think of it like I was thinking of it this this the other day, kind of like Birdman with with young young money, cash money. Like he he can you know he's Nike. He's got his pick of the litter. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? But like he only got so much press to go along. Like he had a really hard job in saying like you're not going to get a shoe for this many years. You know what I mean? And like okay, now it's. He had now, to be able we, to deal with those we've, we've kinds of a, egos. We've got to release Zion shoe now. You know, uh, you know, KD's, KD's and LeBron, LeBron's, you know, and Kyrie, they're, they're established. They're getting theirs. So, like, anytime you have, you know, he was making a lot of, like, big-time decisions for, for Nike and essentially, like, culture it, it, as far as, like, who superstars are, who are, who are you know, getting people's shoes. Um I'm I'm excited for him. I think it was a really, it was a really cool move by definitely Cuban. An, it makes definitely sense. an out of the box hire. It was super out of the box. But what I like, why I like it is because I think Cuban is an out of the box thinker, progressive guy, and he's going with a guy that knows how to knows the game, knows the knows the egos, knows the players, and he thinks that he can put a good product out there with with guys like Dirk Davinsky and Jason Kidd in the building. Uh, you already have Luka Doncic. Like, he's a gonna know. He has a lot of relationships. He's got a deep, deep Rolodex. And then on top of that, you know, it's gonna be cool to see somebody that's not like a salary cap guru manage a basketball team. And he's not even a former player agent, even as we've seen the trend of other teams hiring. Which, which okay, and that's kind of what I meant by like agents are the salary cap gurus. You know what I'm saying? They know the collective bargaining agreement, like the back of their hands. They know how to work it. They always deal with they the money. They know how they can get the max out of the max. Um, that's not this guy's game. So it's going to be cool. And you can get people to do all that other stuff. You know what I mean? I oh, think yeah. You can I think hire a staff. I, well, especially a salary cap staff. Like, I mean, that's, you know. Oh, every team has an analytics and salary cap department so now. I think that that's, uh, I think it was a really cool hire by Cuban. It sucks for Carlisle. Carlisle, I think, you know, got the, like, I thought that Carlisle was going to be part of the rebuild with Luca. It makes sense why he was fired. But him getting a job instantly shows me that he was kind of pissed about it. Like, I feel like he he may have wanted to stay in Dallas well, or, like, felt like he shouldn't be part of some, like, blow-up. 
Yeah, and we'll we'll, we'll talk about Carlisle in a second. C- complete remake, uh, a complete remake of of the Dallas Mavericks from well, top to bottom. Did you hear the rumors of who Jason Kidd's going to hire as his, as as his assistant coaches? That's a mouthful. As yeah, did you hear who he's going to hire as his, as his assistant coaches? No. JJ Barea and Jason Terry. I did hear JJ Barea. So I, I did hear that he extended. I mean, they're just bringing the band back yeah. together from 2011. And then, and then, yeah. So on top of uh, uh, Nico, you know, getting getting Dirk is a big one because I think that Dirk, just his presence with the franchise. Well, it, just him in negotiations with Cuban, I think it gives him a lot of different ways to. And pay, him and Luca have him, a good good relationship. Pay him and build build basketball teams. Like they have a they have a good set of minds attacking this roster. Um, and they got a centerpiece, and then Jason Kidd to get you know just essentially they got a big name, a guy they drafted. In I'm 19- very interested to see how that works. They out. drafted him in 1995. I know they won their one NBA title with him. Jason Kidd won his one NBA title with him um, as a player. Yes. Uh, it, so um, I like what Dallas is doing, man. It, they make some right roster moves. This could be a franchise. That's always setting itself up for success in the future. They're always on kind of the front lines of being a progressive franchise. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't really know what's going to happen with Jason Kidd as the head coach. He has had a very up and down track record as a as a yeah. head coach. And then, obviously, it's been brought up, obviously, with, with the Chauncey Billups stuff, too. He has a pretty checkered past. Chauncey Billups has the pretty checkered past. So there was that whole conversation, and- which you know, you know, just to touch on that really quick, everybody's got a everybody's got a pass. I yes, I and don't. Yes, Jason Kidd does have. I I, I think Billups Billups's is more un, unfair, um, but Jason Kidd did have kind of you know, Jason Kidd does have some red flags, but I think that the guy Jason Kidd, you know, he was given like Steve Nash, he was given a head coaching job before he was ever an assistant and. You know, I think he took jumps in his career that he wasn't necessarily ready for. Um, and, you know, he went back and he, he's been an assistant. He's been on solid programs. Um, he's made efforts to try to get better. And I think that he deserves this shot. Yeah. And I think he's a different person than he was when he first got the Bucks job or the Nets job, whatever it was first. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with that. And I, I think that I, I don't want to... Th- I don't want it to seem like what I was saying. Like, I don't think that Jason yeah. Kidd and Chauncey Bills were deserving of the job. No. I, th- I don't think what happened in the past should stop them from getting a job currently because not, I believe- not if it's not something that's like detrimental, you know what I mean? There's obviously people well, like, and if it's somebody that's constantly being, you know, like there's been court processes that have taken, there's been like, court I processes think- that have taken place though with <laughs> Jason Kidd and Chauncey Billups. And so all of that has been settled. You've got guys that are repeat offenders of the same shit. Yeah. Like, Sarkeesian's I, I a big to, one. I hate to say, you know, call out, throw somebody's name under a bus, but it's just an example, you know, that's not like the case. Like, I think this guy's made some mistakes, but I feel like he's worked on it. And you know, yeah, you can only—that's all you can ask for. And does it does it affect his ability to coach his basketball team? Ultimately, you're a business. You got to like take that into account. And you think he's good to go? That's on you. You know. Yeah, exactly. It's if if Mark Cuban and the the Portland Trailblazers believe in enough to hire Jason Kidd and Chauncey Billups, that's on them. Let them deal with it from there. But basketball wise bill belichick is the greatest football coach of all time you know what i'm saying and he's got 
he's got as checkered of past as anybody when it comes to competing, not even off field stuff. So it's like, you know, everybody's got a past. Like there, there. I don't think there's any perfect people out there. Yeah. Now basketball wise, um, I definitely agree with you in the sense that Jason Kidd had reached heights I think quicker than he had probably anticipated in the coaching ranks and then as it didn't work out he took a step back and became an assistant coach and I think that championship experience as an assistant coach with the Lakers last season is going to help him in Dallas and just the humbling just the humbling experience of taking a demotion yeah I think that that's big time uh for leaders and for professionals and and grown-ups in general like he took it like a man you know what i'm saying like he 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 was a head coach he had the rings he failed he stumbled scraped his knee he he took a job that like was a job you know beneath the job he had before worked hard and now he's he's right back where you know he was yeah now with kid obviously leaving the lakers that meant they had to hire another assistant coach they announced today they were going to be hiring david fisdale as uh, their new assistant coach. I love this hire for the Lakers. He's another former head coach. So that's another former head coach on the bench alongside Lionel Hollins. And then obviously you have Frank, uh, Frank Vogel as the head coach. And then Phil Handy, who's one of the top assistants in the NBA and should probably be making a name for himself in the head coaching ranks in years to come. Cause I, I think he's one of the best coaches in the NBA. His, his work is, it speaks for itself really. Um, but David Fisdale I think is a great hire. He's one, a LeBron guy. They have a, a great relationship from Miami. And Fisdale was credited with a lot of helping out with figuring out Miami's space and pace offense when the big three was down there in Miami. And I think a lot of Lakers fans were like expecting them to hire like this offensive coordinator. I don't think that's what David Fisdale's job is going to be. I think, like, it's – I don't want to say he's there to be there just for LeBron. No, it's not, but he's not there for any deep reason. I mean, he's just a good basketball mind to have in the locker room. And to me, this is just a move that says, like, he wants to be a head coach still. So it's like, I'm going to go pay my dues somewhere. Yeah, like uh, you know, Fisdale, I don't think is any some sort of grandeur plan for the Lakers. No, he's just a guy that's like he's got a relationship with LeBron. He's a good basketball mind. We'll bring him in, and then after this season, um, he'll get head coaching. He'll get head coaching calls. Right, and, and he can go interview there, and we'll you know see what's up. I like I saw a bunch of Knicks fans making fun of the Lakers for the hire because obviously it didn't work out in New York with him as the head coach there. But it's like. David Fisdale's not coming to L.A. to be the head coach. He's coming to be an assistant coach. Those are two very different roles. Yeah. And like you said, it's like you're just bringing a a great basketball mind to the bench. It doesn't hurt him any. You don't need – like, I shouldn't say you don't need assistant coaches because that makes them not important. No, you need assistant coaches. You need assistant coaches, but it's like the Lakers are who the Lakers are. He's not going to come in and mess mess with, like, X's and O's and and rotation and stuff he's just going to be in there to say when you want to be like hey fizz like what do you think about this like well and that's oh, the thing I, I would do i would do this and hey fizz like where should i go you know what i mean he's a good he's a good mind but this is like this is the lakers doing him a favor 
and Fizz doing them a favor. You know what I mean? Just like Jason Kidd, he's 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 going back to the bench. He's not a head coach quite yet, but I think this is a move to get him back to being a head coach. Yeah, and I think like the whole concept of him or trying to hire an offensive coordinator for the Lakers. I just I think that's a complete misnomer because like you said, David Fizzell's not coming in to mess with the X's and O's because yeah. I think with LeBron still on the team, it's like you're still gonna run LeBron, the same offense. LeBron is the head coach, the GM, the <laughs> offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator. I hate when you say that. I hate when you say that. I mean, that's what it is though. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what it is. You you don't you have coaches and, and you have a whole staff that's that's doing all these different things. Um but when it comes to designing offense and what the Lakers do, there's oh. no, it's not like football. There's no call and plays. LeBron is is making it happen. So, uh, sorry to interrupt, but uh, I guess frustrations have boiled over. Yeah, so for, Pat Bev got a tee. It, well, he shoved Chris Paul and got ejected. Uh, and it's a 21-point game now with 258 left in the fourth, 121 to 100. So uh, I think... Uh, Jesus, Chris Paul has 38 points on 15 to 23 shooting, six of seven from three. My goodness, Chris Paul. He doesn't want to play in game seven after being up 3-1. I don't know what blame I'm him. Like, he knows that this is an important game. Obviously, you can, you can get a game seven win in Phoenix, but fuck, don't leave it up to chance. You know, um, just to go back to Paul George real quick, because I'm, I'm looking at his stat line. It's 21 points, six of 15 from the field one of six from three minus 25 but there's also the fact that he's played the most minutes out of anybody this postseason so i mean we talked about it already he did everything he could for the clippers this postseason and it's just it's it's unfortunate he ran out of gas and couldn't force a game seven for him no for sure he played he played well gave it up i mean you had a lot you had a lot uh a lot of pressure on him. Yeah. So, all right, back to the coaching stuff real quick. We we got two, three more hires to talk about real quick. Rick Carlisle, as we mentioned, he left Dallas. He has been hired in Indiana as the head coach to replace Nate Bjorkren. He was the head coach of the Pacers from 2003 to 2007. I find it interesting that Carlisle went back to Indiana. Obviously, it's a familiar spot, but I think he might I, – I thought he was maybe going to go to – a more playoff ready team like Boston, his former team from his playing days or Portland to get Dame a championship winning coach in hopes that that would try to keep Dame happy. But ultimately he ended up going with the Pacers, a, a familiar yeah. scenario. I think familiar scenario mixed with like, he didn't want to take a year off. Yeah. I think that, that they were ready to go. They were ready to hire him. All these, you know, the other teams you mentioned, Boston, Portland, they were, you know, interviewing people yeah they had other so, ideas in mind uh carlisle to go somewhere where he's already familiar coached him during the malice in the palace um <laughs> completely different team but yeah I mean, it's, he, uh, he he left he left indiana to replace don nelson in dallas yeah and then his very first year in dallas they win 66 games or whatever uh, maybe they, even more and then they lose to the we believe warriors that yeah. very next year you know, Don and Don Nelson, Nelson gets his revenge. And Don Nelson gets his revenge. And Rick Carlisle's been there ever since. So for him to go back to Indiana, I like it. I mean, I think that it'll be a, a place where he can, you know, coach this team up. It'll be interesting to see if they move Miles Turner now and if, if Rick Carlisle, Car Carlisle sees him in the plans for the future. 
I think Miles Turner and Sabonis and Brogdon are a good core. I mean, they also have Levert, right? Yeah. I think you've got a good core. You just need those guys to be out on the court at the same time, which is kind of always the the tough part. Yeah, Levert missed been. all this time, you know. Um, so we got to see, and then and then Turner got hurt at the end and, and wasn't in the playoffs. So we you got to you got to see what Brogdon, Levert, Sabonis, Turner. That's a good core. Yeah. All right. Boston and Portland are the, are the two other teams that I mentioned when talking about Rick Carlisle's potential jobs, but. Like we said, they were interviewing other people and had other ideas in mind. Uh, first, Boston, uh, they hired Ime Udoka, who was a Brooklyn Nets assistant this past season and a former Greg Popovich assistant. So that, I think, he, he I think, was one of the top assistants on the market, I think, for, for like all last, teams. For the last, like, 10 years. I don't know about 10 years. I but think Udoka has been patiently waiting for the right opportunity. Yes. But this was uh, this Brad's, guy's been in the mix for a long, long time. Yeah, he has, and this this was Brad Stevens' first move as team president. What do you think this hire means for Boston? I, I honestly thought that uh, there was a time where I thought Udoka would be the the guy that takes over for Popovich. Yeah, and really, I think that Udoka leaving really opened up for Becky Hammond to really skyrocket in that you know that. Well, and there's been a lot Popovich, of talk about her. Who is Popovich? Is like you know who's he who's he working on you know what i mean who's his uh who's the person that's going to succeed popovich and i think it was udoka for a long time now i think it, i would say becky Hammond is that person um but udoka can coach i think this is going to be he's it, got it a makes, good relationship it, with jason tatum and jalen brown from it, team usa it makes sense that he is um taking a boston job after all these years because i mean Boston Celtics got to be a top five coaching job in the world for basketball. Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> yeah, I would argue top ten in all of sports. I guess I would say I, I would I would go top it, ten it, in all it, of sports. It's, it's I mean Boston Celtics, man. That, that's a no. It's a pretty illustrious title. It's an illustrious title. It is the the title um, on the East Coast for basketball for sure. Do you see Jay Williams' tweet? I don't. The one that he got hacked about. I don't know if he actually yeah. got hacked, but what do you say? Well, he just said that Ime Udoka was the first African American head coach for the, uh, or not the first African American, he's the first black coach for the Boston Celtics when Bill Russell was the head coach, Doc Rivers was the head coach, ML Carr was the head coach, and Sam Jones was the Sam head, Jones. Sam Jones was the head coach. I'm pretty sure the Boston Celtics hired the first black coach ever. That was Bill Russell. That's what I'm saying. It's like not only have they had one, they had the first. <laughs> yeah. He's a, Way fucking, to go, Jay he's Williams. a fucking idiot. I mean, no one likes Jay Williams. I've never, I mean, he's always kind of just been an outcast. He, I, I, I don't feel like he gets any love anywhere outside of Duke, I guess. Yeah, he, he doesn't really, uh, he doesn't really do too well for himself. No. He, he, he likes to dig himself in some holes. He blew it by changing his name to Jay from Jason to try and rebrand <laughs> away from White Chocolate and the Murderer. Well, or manslaughter convict. Yeah. But all right. I mean, yeah, I, I'm interested to see what Udoka brings to Boston. I think it's a good hire. He's like I said, been one of the top assistants on the market for a while. Um, and now he's going to get his chance. So we'll see, we'll see what he can do. And then we've already mentioned, mentioned him for a brief moment. Chauncey Billups. He was hired as the new head coach of the Portland trailblazers. They were 
going to basically hire Jason Kidd. They got backlash from fans about it because of his past. They end up hiring Chauncey Billups, who has yeah. a past as well, but we kind of already went over that. But Dame, basically, Dame... Dame they, wanted Jay Kidd. Uh, they get the Oakland connection. It would have been, been a nice, easy... But is Chauncey going to be enough to keep him happy? Yeah, definitely. I think you think Chauncey, so? Yeah, for sure. You don't think they make any other... You, you think they come back as as the... Like, mm, Stan Pat? I think they shop CJ. I think CJ's for sure on the market. I think they shop CJ, and if they can't get what they what they want for CJ, then, yeah, I think they ride it with, you know, they ride it with the same crew. They've got a lot of talent. They've got some young pieces that could step up, so... um. I see him either trying to ship CJ for, you know, a number of different things. There's it, plenty it, of packages out there. There's plenty of packages. Obviously, Ben Simmons is kind of the big one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think they come back with the same same old song and dance. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not sure what's going to happen in Portland. I don't, I don't know if there's anything that can, can keep Dame happy after, after what happened. There was a lot of blowback from, the tweets he had supporting Chauncey, there was I think a lot that, of blowback with how I think Portland handled everything. Once those guys get in the gym together and spend some time with each other, and you know, no, it's I mean, listen, be all good. I think Dame has the utmost respect for Chauncey Billups as as a person. I don't and think a basketball Dame wants player, to but. leave Portland either. I think he likes what he's doing, building building this this legacy that's different from everybody else's. Yeah, um, small small school, small town Portland, you know, killer. Jesus Christ, Tyler. Sorry, I I brought up the the Clippers Sun score again just to double check it one more time and the Suns have officially won 130 to 103. Yep. Chris Paul, I believe had 27 second half points. He he wanted to close it out and he did it. 41 points, 16 of 24, 7 of 8 from 3 for Chris Paul. 35 minutes. 8 assists, 4 rebounds. What a performance. Point God. Point God. Man. All right. Well, the Clippers are out of the playoffs, so. They, they went as far as they've ever gone. Yes, they did, and and congrats to them. Uh, Adam, I'm sorry. Two, that, ga- two games away. Yeah. I'm sorry that I uh, I broke the streak. I was – so, obviously, I see Adam uh, at work, and I had been two for two on wishing him and him alone good luck. I wouldn't wish the team good luck. I would only wish him good luck on having a good pregame show, a good halftime show, and a good postgame show. Yeah. And I was two for two coming into tonight. I said I was rooting for him this morning, but unfortunately, it, it didn't work. The Clippers are out. The Clippers are the Clippers. <laughs> the Clippers are the Clippers, Tyler. They are who the, we thought they were. But all right, the the three final remaining head coaching vacancies are Orlando, New Orleans, and Washington, D.C., so those are all still vacant, so we will still have to wait and see what happens with those. Um, You got anything else you wanted to talk about, Tyler, as far as the NBA? Um, The Suns, they're going to the the NBA Finals for the first time since 93. Uh, Chris Paul for the first time in his career. Devin Booker for the first time in his career. First time in the playoffs for him. A lot of good headlines coming in. Aiton, former number one pick. Uh, and he's been uh, incredible for them in, in the playoffs. in the rise. Um, CP3 getting there for the first time. A lot of good headlines. Uh, Monty Williams, James Jones. Yep. A lot of good. Lot Executive of, good. of the year yep. for James J- Jones. Yep. 
James Jones, Bonnie Williams, Chris Paul, Book, I couldn't be happier for them all. Yeah. They definitely deserve it. All right. You got any shout outs before we get out of here? Yeah. Um, we'll we'll shout out the heavyweight champ really quick, Francis Ngannou. He's getting screwed a little bit by or a lot of bit by Dana. I don't, I'm not really sure what what's uh what's going on. I I understand that they don't want people to fight, but or they want people to fight, but essentially he's having his belt up for grabs. They're going to do a heavyweight interim belt um on August 7th. Um which means that when he fights, it will be a fight where they will unify the belts. He'll go in there with the belt. Whoever wins the interim belt will go in there with the belt. Um, and I just think it's kind of fucked. You know, he fought three months ago. Uh, they're already putting up an interim belt fight because he's hurt. He can't make the August fight. Um, I don't believe that, you know, you should lose your belt because of, of such a quick turnaround and due to injury, you know, like, if he was didn't fight for nine months, then got hurt and couldn't fight for another four months, that'd be one thing. This guy fought. This guy just got the belt in March. They're announcing in June that they're putting up an interim fight because he won't fight in August. So shout out Francis, man. He's the real heavyweight fight and uh, heavyweight champ. He's the real heavyweight champ, and um, you know he'll get it back. Yeah, it's 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 very interesting to me that they would put it up and. It, an interim belt so yeah. quickly and it's like not give him a chance to defend said, it at least once yeah essentially dan is saying like he didn't want to he, he couldn't defend it and so they're gonna put it up you yeah know, um just to keep it moving um but i think you're dealing with athletes and legacies you know when you're talking about superstars and legacies like those are the kind of things that build your brand just because he's not ready to fight in august i mean if he's ready to fight in january who cares you know like that's the champ right there yeah no, I mean, listen, the UFC is has always never made sense to me, so it's a uh, it's a uh, a very interesting yeah, organization. I mean, it's, it's it's like college football, you know, like you couldn't or how college football used to well, kind of still is, but you know, you can't just go off a record, you know what I mean? Because who you beat matters, because there's only so many matchups. You can't have everybody play everybody, and then you know, um, so it, there is like politics involved, which is what sucks about it. Yeah. So, all right, uh, speaking of college football, uh, a little bit, uh, I'm going to be shouting out the NCAA for finally entering the 21st century and formally announcing that they will allow college student-athletes to be paid. We got to get the mogul guys back on soon, probably after the NBA Finals, to talk about everything. But this is, this was a monumental announcement today, Tyler. Yeah, um, I think it's the beginning of the end, you know. I, I think that this is the the start and the crumble of of the ncaa as we knew it yeah no um, this is definitely they, the dawn of a new age i'm not going to go as far as to shout out the ncaa because they've been needing to do this <laughs> so good job like you you fucking you you finally did it but um what i will say is it's monumental because how we used to see amateur athletics in the ncaa those days are over well, it was funny. Uh, shout out my guy Trevor Trout on. Uh, going to be a lot of different, a lot of different things, a lot of different uh, things coming off of this. You know what I mean? There's going to be a lot of different ripples. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, and shout shout out my guy Trevor Trout on on Twitter. He brought up that uh, the the essay that students have been using for years of college athletes need to be paid is finally going to be retired and i mean i've written multiple high school and college essays on why student athletes should be paid and yeah, you're not going to be able to write that anymore that's funny uh i wrote that paper <laughs> in 
uh, I wrote that paper in Carbon Hoover's English 102 class in 2009. Oh, dude, I wrote a paper in you know, my junior year of high school in 2011 on it. I wrote uh, multiple papers in college about so it. That's funny that that's a thing because, yeah, I mean, I definitely wrote that paper at some point in time. And at that time, when I wrote that paper, that was coming off of Alabama losing to Utah and then Michael Beasley. Oh, yeah. You know. And there was great numbers on how much money Kansas State's basketball team had made the year before. And then Michael Beasley came there for one year. Huge spike in revenue. And then he left after his one year. And then just another, like, you know, big drop. Oh, yeah. It's just like, come on, people. Get with the program. And the NCAA is finally doing that. I can literally see right here you made millions of dollars off this. If not billions. I mean, call it the NCAA as a whole made billions off of these kids. Oh, for sure. So, all right, you got anything else? No, I'm good. All right, with that, that wraps up this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. For Tyler Pachulki, I am Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pachulki. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace.